Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. The episode you are about to listen to was originally available for Patreons only, but is a brand new episode now available on all podcasting platforms. So there might be a few references that have already happened. Uh, Apologies for that. And also apologies for any comments we make for non-patrons. Enjoy the episode and don't forget, it's not too late to join us on Patreon where you can listen to exclusive brand new episodes of Track by Track. Yes, every month there are at least two brand new episodes as well as access to the full Patreon-only back catalogue and our Patreon-only series, including further listening and the remix. Enjoy the episode. And thanks for listening. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down, track by track. And hopefully we won't let this break your heart, because on the turntable this week, we've got Milo Xyloto by Coldplay. Coldplay, Will, on Track by Track. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> well, of course, Will, this is day two of a week-long run of episodes to celebrate three years of track by track and i've really thrown in a curveball haven't i here yes and also it's day two of a week-long celebration if you're listening uh in order on patreon uh at the time of release i just assuming that everyone's on patreon by now will to be honest why wouldn't they be uh, why well, exactly and if you're not on patreon yet uh you can't hear this so there's no point in doing a plug and if you can hear this that is a matter for the police actually you wouldn't steal a car you wouldn't steal a handbag you shouldn't be stealing this podcast uh, you would steal a handbag actually and i have stolen a car oh no you didn't steal a handbag you just like to rifle through your nana's pension book uh when you're around at her house which was in her handbag well just to see what's coming to me uh, and what is coming to you well uh, at the time of recording will divided by all family members uh 74 pounds and 11 pence Oh, that's lovely. You can finally get that uh, new order box set uh, from Super Deluxe Edition that you've been looking forward to, if nothing else. What else could I want? What else do I need? Uh, Well, (laughs) a lot more than that. But uh, so, yes, we were just sidetracked already talking about the fact that this is our second special episode, uh, a week of track by track. Uh, What more could you want in that front? Exactly. And you did have to put my arm behind my back uh, and knee me in the back and knock me to the floor and slap me around the face and drag me uh, down a gravel driveway to get me agreed to having Coldplay uh, featured on Track by Track. And it worked. It worked. Sometimes it's a bit of brutal punishment uh, does the trick, I find, uh, between two friends. And here we are. And before recording, I did say to you, you know, you've, you've been listening to the album the last few days or weeks, depending on how prepared you are. I did say, how was it? Was it as, you know, was it okay? And you said, yeah. It was fine. Yeah. Well, I think better than fine. <laughs> and any Coldplay fans like myself listening right now, fear not. This is going to be a celebratory episode. This is going to be um, a real celebration of this album, Milo Zaloto. And the reason we are talking about it, not just because it's our birthday it is also 10 years ago today since Paradise was released as the second single from the album. If you don't know who Coldplay are, uh, I'm going to say who they are. You've got uh, Chris Martin, frontman, lead singer, lead, uh, lead man in the world today. He'll turn up to anything that Michael Evis asks him to do. Uh, but also in the band, you've got Johnny Buckland, guitarist, bassman Guy Berryman, Will Champion, who is a champion drummer, uh, and that's and that's them. They are wonderful lads. They are wonderful lads. The same four lads uh, who have been part of Coldplay since they began. Um, and there is also a fifth member, which is their manager, Phil, Phil Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. 
not not on the stage, not playing the instruments, but since day one, he has been with them. They've got a silent member. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Coldplay have been around for a, quite a while now. Back in 1996 is when they first formed. Back in London when they were at University College uh, together. Dan, a quick uh, test for you. What do you know? What they were studying? Oh, I want. Uh, were they all studying the same thing? I don't know. I I generally don't know. I'm asking you. Oh right. Then let's say uh, that Chris was doing environmental waste. Uh, Johnny was doing drama and creative writing. Um, a guy, guy was doing politics uh, and Will Champion was doing theology. Mm. What a great mix. And that all, I think, all plays a part in the music they make. Yes, because their music does have a religiously environmental, political, dramatic tone to it. As we will hear today. Actually, it does a bit, uh. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. I don't know whether I've gone a bit scouse, though. We'll hear today like Silla Black. I don't care. She's a journalist, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they... Hopefully we will have a Laura Laura laugh today. Uh, let's hope so. Uh, Coldplay have had a long and decorated career since they formed with uh, many, many albums, many, many awards, many, many children marriages um and uh interesting fact chris martin's family are from devon really your neck of the woods did you grow up near him well yes because he was born in exeter and i'm from just down the road in a i won't say where because i don't want my parents house getting besieged by track by track fans again i don't think it's going to be similar scenes to sort of jason orange's mum's front lawn back in the 90s but Good to be careful, actually. Yeah. Oh, they it's were all ca- they were all camped out on it, weren't they? It was like a yeah. cesspit uh, when they left. But all those teenage girls and their juices and functions everywhere. Oh, well, uh... So we have chosen to talk about uh, Milo Xyloto today, which is the fifth studio album by Coldplay. It was released in October two thousand and eleven. Dan, why are we talking about it today? Ten years of paradise, Will, for the second time. <laughs> That's not 20 years of paradise, just to be quite clear. Uh, just a reminder, reminder of some of our older listeners. Sat down having their farm foods ready meal with Ronnie Corbett at half past four. Uh, he's dead. It's quite awkward. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... And I said to the producers... <laughs> And Dan, what is notable, before we get into it, what is notable about this album? So this was their fifth studio album, as I said at the start. Um, In terms of who they're working with, once again, they're working with Brian Eno, of course, the legendary producer who, uh, formerly of Rock to Music, who has worked with Bowie and U2. So absolute legends, and I include Coldplay in that, of course. That he worked with them previously on Viva La Vida or Death and All His Friends, the album that came before this one. Um, so it's a continuation of that partnership. But I think just what stands out f- to me about this album and uh, hopefully what makes it one of the Coldplay albums that you could really uh, wrap yourself around more than some of the others is the electronics, the synths, the kind of the pop production on this one. Uh, a few of the names that played a part, which I'll mention as we, as we listen to the tracks. Um but yeah, it's just their shiniest, or one of their shiniest, or certainly their shiniest to date album. And I also think you're humoured me a little bit by choosing this one as well, because it was something a little bit more palatable for my interests. Absolutely. I do like to humour you, Will. This, uh, also, this was recorded uh, in its entirety at the studio, The Bakery and the Beehive, and I'm sure I've bought a lovely uh, honey nut sourdough loaf from there in the past. And how was it? Do you remember? Do you rate your loaves? Yeah, ratemyloaf.com. I've got, I've got an account on there. Nothing to yeah. do with toilets. Um, so, should we get stuck in? So, side one, track one is a lovely introduction. Um, it's a in- short instrumental track, which you can hear playing underneath us at the moment and it's called Milo Xyloto uh, which is definitely building up an atmosphere for this whole album as a as a concept as a story yeah as you say well the album is a concept album I don't know if we've really done a concept album before and I don't think the band really 
thrust that down your throats. Uh, but Milo Zaloto is the lead character in this story. It's kind of an uh, Orwellian dystopian. The government is uh, led by major miners who we'll meet later. Uh, and we're not going to run down the whole thing. This is not a, a live interpretation of the rock opera. Um, but yeah, there's a thread to this. And it's a great one. And we move already into track two, which is the first full track. Uh, and this is Hurts Like Heaven. Hurts Like Heaven. And Dan, as someone coming quite fresh to this album, having not really paid at the time of day in the past, um, my ears immediately uh, had a prick up uh, at the real beat and bounce that this track has. Kind of not what I associate with Coldplay, to be honest with you. Yeah, I definitely think that there are, there are moments on this album and throughout their career since then, uh, and maybe a hint before as well, where they stray from what kind of the typical Coldplay sound is. And I think actually they are really difficult to pigeonhole because they have experimented with lots of different things. But here I think it does, you've got the strum of the guitar, you've got a great beat, you've got steady bass, you've got that kind of big stadium-sized chorus. It does sound like a kind of standard, uh, huge Coldplay track. But then I think it's the shimmer of the synths that make this a bit more new and a bit more exciting yes um and i just can't help just kind of move bouncing my shoulders around to it as well so you've got the shimmer in there but you've also got a really good beat uh to it as well there were um in keeping with the fact there are four members in the band there are four different lengths as well really mm. Uh, because you had an album version a single edit a u.s radio edit and an eu radio edit as well Oh, wonder why they all wanted a different length. Well, you know, just just the way life is, isn't it? Well, I suppose, I suppose so. Uh, this, of course, you said uh, radio edit. This was a promotional single released in July 2012, uh, but not a single proper. You won't find it on their greatest hits whenever that comes out. Could have been. Do people do greatest hits anymore? Yeah, of course they do. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to sound. Didn't mean to sound like I was putting quite snappy. Uh, mm. it, it, this could have been a full a full single release, such as how striking and immediate it is. Uh, also, I think it was a there was a uh, for record store day. There was a limited edition seven inch of this as well. Very hard to come by, but I would have killed to get my hands on this band seven inch. And you know, it might not be totally. You might have to pay a bit more for it than you did back then, but I'm sure there's still a possibility of doing so. Tuppence halfpenny. <laughs> uh, this one will also open the Milo Xyloto tour well it was Milo Xyloto leading into this that opened the tour as well and I think it really does just set the atmosphere doesn't it it would have definitely got the audience going it really would have done and also if you if you want to get going even more so there's a Cat Crazy remix of this as well do you want to get Cat Crazy? I want to get Dog Crazy oh uh, now, apparently, Will, this one was uh, very much uh, inspired or led by Johnny Buckland, the guitarist of the band in the studio. It's nice to think that, you know, Chris Martin is very much the spokesman of the band. Uh, he's obviously the frontman as well, so we hear his voice a lot. We maybe wrongly assume that he's in the driving seat throughout the recording and production of albums. It's nice to know that other members uh, are playing a pivotal role in the band, as I'm sure we assume they would. Um, but yeah, this was very much Johnny Buckland's baby. Oh, yeah. And as a group of very close friends, you would want everybody to be uh, just as involved. Um, Definitely. I know it's not the same with you and your close group of friends, Dan. Uh, you like to take the lead and be in charge. But... 100%. Mm, good for you, actually. And the song was likened to Echo and the Bunnyman and The Cure by Q upon its release. And also uh, to LCD Sound System by Rolling Stone. And I can see that and definitely hear it. Although, prefer mm. LCD sound system, obviously. Yeah. It's not about preferences, Will. Uh, <laughs> it's just about this album this week. 
Track number three now, and this is uh, goes without any introduction. Well, no, because I've just done one. But this is Paradise. I mean, this is probably one of Coldplay's biggest and most known and noted tracks, isn't it? Definitely. And also, I would say one of their biggest sounds to date as well. I think this track is just an, an absolute masterpiece. You've got that dramatic string-led uh, introduction. The kind of There's lots of storytelling in the verses and the chorus. Uh, but then there's, there's just so much sound packed into this one with the layered vocals and the repetition and the synths. So many synths in this song, and they just the production quality of this. It's one of my yeah, it's one of my favorite Coldplay songs of all time. And even I like this. It doesn't surprise me at all, Will, because it's so synthy, isn't it? It is, but there's such a real stadium moment uh, in the chorus of this, and you can almost imagine you you and two hundred thousand other people uh, with your flashing lights up in the air fireworks going off above your head as this is belted out yeah and that's a really good point actually the 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 wristbands with the lights on that people wear they started with uh this tour they were called the xyloto bands uh, of course coldplay have continued to use them and i saw them on their head full of dreams tour uh, a few years ago I saw them at Wembley a few days before they were due to headline Glastonbury. And the reason I saw them there is because I thought, well, I can kind of tick them off my list. And uh, and then at Glastonbury, I can go and see something else. And the show was that good. And this track was a particular highlight because they merged it into the, I think it's the Tiesto remix of the song. I, for, for many reasons, but particularly for that moment, I had to see them again at Glastonbury headlining. And actually, I saw them with you. Yes, yes, I was there with you, Dan. Thank you for remembering. Uh, we were there with our big raincoats on, uh, but mm. we didn't care because it was Sunday night and we were going home the next day. Oh, and Coldplay were playing at the same as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you must have, that moment must have been a highlight for the set for you as well, right? No. Oh. It was all right. Probably was, but you're just saying that to, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to agree with me. It wasn't one of those moods. <laughs> I can't tell you how many countries this was a hit in, including number one in the UK, across most of Europe, uh, and a huge hit stateside as well. Also, Dan, you might be interested to hear on Spotify, this track is the standout um, number of played times played uh, from this album. It's had 643 million plays. Insane. And that, and that is phenomenal. And that is just like at least three times more, at least three times more than the uh, closest other track from this album. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I think it is. As I said, it's a, it's a masterpiece. It is it's a musical paradise in itself. I could just listen to this on repeat. Actually, I think this song. So much love about it. And you said, Will, that it's a number one hit. There's such an interesting uh, chart journey to this song. Initially, when it was released, it wasn't chart eligible because it was a uh, the, the free track that came when you pre-ordered the album on iTunes. If you remember when we used to do that. Well, I think people still do that. Yeah, in instant grat, it used to be called, Dan, actually, is the term. Yes. Uh, sorry, I'm not, I've not got my technical hat on today. Um, and then only after the album's release, so a few weeks later, it was chart eligible when it entered at number 14. And then for weeks and weeks through November and December, it just kind of stayed around the uh, number 11 bit of the chart, slowly moved into the top 10. And then it wasn't until the first week of 2012 that it actually got to the top of the charts. Well, that's always... Knocking off the military wives. Coldplay knocked off the military wives. I could actually yep, see that happening, you... probably at some backstage VIP area somewhere. Mm. Good for them. Oh, no, because they're widows, aren't they? No, not... They're not widows, are they? I think that's the... Yeah, I think they've lost their loved ones at war. 
Uh, also, interestingly, uh, backing vocals, uh, Gwyneth, Gwyneth herself is on backing vocals. Uh, this oh. Before it all went tits up. Yeah, because the next album, of course, is Ghost Stories, which was the, the Heartbreak album. I didn't realise she was on backing vocals. Mm. So it wasn't, wasn't really Paradise at that time, was it? No, it was a tough time for everybody, really. And as we said right at the start, for the third and final time, 10 years ago today when this was released as a single. So yeah, from September being released uh, or being available to download from iTunes, it was then the, the next January when it went to number one. Love that sounds like an old school uh, chart journey, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, and we do love a bit of a bit of a backstory attached to a single as well. Sometimes it's just too easy if it just goes straight into number one. It's nice that there's been something going on behind the scenes. But not that there is on track by track. No, other than just shoveling crisps uh, down our down our traps between songs. Quite peckish. Oh, not between songs during songs because we talk between the songs. Yes. Also, Will, this was the best-selling rock song of 2011. And on the produce, I've not talked about that yet. I said I mentioned when there's a few different names on there. Uh, this one was produced with Marcus Dravs, who uh, also produced, amongst many other things, Florence's How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful, and Arcade Fire's Everything Now album. Also, Brian Eno, who co-wrote the track, and Rick Simpson, uh, who's worked on lots of Coldplay things, but is also one half of the Dark Tones uh, the band, the duo that he formed with Coldplay's Gary Berryman. And last but not least, Daniel Green. They do, they certainly wanted to, this to be a big album. Uh, so they brought in the biggest guns they could find. Uh, let's move on, please. Uh, track number four now Charlie Brown. So that was Charlie Brown, another single from the album. This one, again, I think it's a great upbeat track. Not as bass heavy as Paradise, uh, but still very sort of contemporary pop influenced in the production and the sound. Almost kind of somewhere between Hurts Like Heaven and Paradise, maybe. Do you think? Well, I, I think actually it sounds a little bit more like some of their other work beyond this kind of concept album. This more electronic sound of the album. I think it just feels a little bit more string heavy and and, yeah. and drummy. And a little less... Like Viva La Vida then. Yeah, and a little less synth- yeah. synthesised. I have to say as well, because um, this was the single, this was the third single, um, the single artwork and the album artwork, which we all get to talk about later, uh, it's absolutely stunning. I, just, I could easily have these on my wall at home i just have to take off the fact that it's cold play obviously <laughs> but yes very graffiti influence which also um played a part in the story running throughout the album this was so i did mention this was the third single uh off this album and i have to say it was uh another big hit well it was a it was a hit i got to number 22 in the uk I think Coldplay, though, generally speaking, very much an albums band, aren't they? So by this point, most people would have had the album. Yep, they're an albums band. They're a tours band. They're a stadium tours band. They don't care about singles because they're making the money elsewhere. They don't want to be top of the pops, do they? They don't want to be on there week after week performing. Is that still a thing? No, it's not. not You know it's not still a thing. Also, Will, uh, there's a great video for this one. It's a live music. Well, it's not a live music video, but it takes lots of shots from live shows um, from around this time. And of course, the the Xyloto bands are going off on this track, as you can imagine. Uh, also, I couldn't help but spot uh, on the single uh, track listings that there is there's a few remixes. One of them is a Jacques Lucan remix, and we all know who that is. We do. Maybe more about that later. Mm. Um, Will, of course, this one's called Charlie Brown. There's no mention of Charlie Brown in the track. uh, But initially, he did feature in the lyrics. And once they'd 
edited it and taken his name out, they couldn't think of another name for it. I have to say, I've never really watched the series, but I love, of course, very me, love the Christmas special. Um, and the album, the soundtrack that goes with that is just stunning and perfect for kind of a Christmas dinner party background music. Oh, Dan, and I can't wait this year because last year we didn't have any Christmas dinner parties or shenanigans because we couldn't. No, and normally, uh, you know, listeners, you may believe that we're just colleagues on the podcast, but uh, we do like to spend time together outside of work. Really, we do. Not, uh, and not Christmas time. Not in bed. Not just, a, not in, well, slumber parties <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> pillow fights and whatnot. But around Christmas time, we do get together a lot, don't we? With our friends and partners and whatnot. Well, and the track-by-track track Christmas recordings are always quite legendary. Uh, it was, did feel a bit flat last year. Track number five now, and this is... It's a cover of the Britney track. Britney and Madonna. Aww. Me Against the Music. It's Us Against the World. Sorry. Don't let go. If we could flow. Just start again Lift off before trouble Just erodes us in the rain Just erodes us in the rain Just erodes us and see roses in the rain Sing slow So that was Us Against the World there Not Me Against the Music, Will Also not a cover of the stunning 2008 Westlife single, Us Against the World, which actually is surprisingly really nice. Oh, really? I thought you were taking the piss. No, I I quite like that one. But I think this is, I think some people, some close-minded people will, not not like yourself, um, do have a small-minded view of Coldplay, do have a perception of what Coldplay sound like and what they do and, you know, would never imagine that when they see them live, there's all the lasers and the dance remixes and all that kind of stuff. And I think this is what they think Coldplay sounds like all the time whereas on this album of course this is track what five now and actually this is the exception to the other tracks uh it does make me think about uh i will try to fix you yeah because uh, it does rise the last third does rise and soar just when you almost give up all hope of life itself <laughs> oh, I haven't. Oh, sorry, that... sorry, sorry. I should have said. I should have said. Mm. What a great time to talk about a fantastic album artwork. Yeah, getting ahead of myself there. And as you alluded to uh, earlier in the episode, uh, just some absolutely stunning artwork. Well, no, we didn't allude to it. We actually said it was just absolutely stunning. And I lo- said it out loud. And I love. I mean, this album cover is. I mean, it's you know, it's another one of those. You look at it and you see, you see it, and you think Coldplay. But just the colours, the design, it's absolutely stunning. Uh, and the thing that I was going to say before, Will, there was the option. I think it was on their website or something like that. I don't know what kind of technology we had ten years ago, but you could uh, create a version of the album cover with your own initials on there. And I do seem to remember having mine as my Facebook profile picture and probably thinking i was really cool oh yeah you thought you were the dogs didn't you yeah yeah and i was i like Coldplay, and if you don't like them you can just shove off nicastia mm. but i have to say i i have been that person before probably with you as well ahead of this episode having that person you know fighting Coldplay's corner Coldplay don't need me to fight their corner they're doing quite okay but i do sometimes battles. feel like yeah. exactly but uh, as a long time fan of their work and uh, having seen them live and I've been blown away by them live, um, I will, I will, I will take their side. Oh, you always take their bloody side. What about me? Well, I'll take anyone's side. No, I'm not ta- I'll take anyone's side apart from yours. <laughs> I, I must say, I don't know, Dan, because I haven't looked it up. Uh, who, who created this album cover? Uh, they worked with Tappin Gofton, uh, who is a graphic design duo. They also did uh, X and Y, Viva La Vida, uh, and Ghost Stories after this. And they also did The Feelings, 12 Stops and Home, which, of course, we talked about only a few weeks ago. Well, a bit longer than that, but yes. 
Sorry, Fireflies. I don't. Sorry, I shouldn't dis- disagree with everything you say. No, it's okay. It must be infuriating. No, it makes me know that you're you're feeling yourself. <laughs> Not during recording, I hope. <laughs> so, track six, M M I X. This is another instrumental. They're scattered throughout the album, Will, and we've said before we quite like that, don't we? We quite like it. In in here, it's because it's a concept album. But generally speaking, it's nice to get those just little bits of experimentalization. I didn't say the whole word then. It is. It's nice to pause for thought, isn't it? Uh, at various points. So not everything is a full-on track. And actually, Dan, that inspired me for a new regular feature on Track by Track, where we are yeah. going to invite a vicar in to come and share some thoughts on this week's album with a religious uh, viewpoint. And what's the title of this segment, Will? Is it called Pause for Thought? Well, no, we probably can't call it Pause for Thought because of uh, the BBC. Um, And to be honest, I got a bit excited because I thought it was Pause, P-A-W-S, I thought was going to have an animal doing something. Pause for Thought, yeah. Mm. We could could just uh, play around with some puppies for for a few minutes. Oh, puppies are absolutely... Jiggle them around a bit, yeah. (laughs) Be careful, though. You can't hurt them. No, we'll be gentle. We might even give the soap them down a little bit. <laughs> so on to track seven then, and this is every teardrop is a waterfall. Every teardrop is a waterfall. I think we can't not talk about this song without mentioning... Can't not talk about this song. No, we can't talk about this song <laughs> without mentioning the synths at the start. This, again, this new sound for Coldplay are really taking it to town on this track, aren't they? Oh, I... This is my favourite track on the album because it is just... It's anthemic, it's synthy, but it's also extremely instrumental as well. And this is just what they do best, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It, this was, of course, the lead single from the album. It kind of welcomed people into their new sound, their fifth album, uh, this new era of Coldplay. And the synths are so present. But like you said, the the full instrumentalization that you would expect from Coldplay is there as well. And I particularly like the beat in this one. I think some people likened it to Sunday, Bloody Sunday by U2, but it's a real sort of march it's got a real presence to it it's very dynamic i like it well yeah i can tell i can tell (laughs) uh and just to put things into perspective for a moment so with paradise having 643 million plays this which is just fantastic and my favor uh had 195 million plays on spotify to date so it does massively puts into perspective doesn't it because they're both Huge Coldplay songs, and that number, the number for this one, you know, many an artist would be thrilled with that, but it just shows how big Col- uh, how big Paradise is. I wouldn't be thrilled with that, not enough. Oh, and uh, yeah, actually, if we got that per episode, we wouldn't be very happy with that, would we? No, no, normally uh, much higher standard. Hmm. Uh, this was the lead single, wasn't it, from this album campaign, and what a way to start. Uh, it was absolutely hammered to death across oh that sounds quite aggressive actually but you know what i mean it was played a lot do you know how well it did i've got an idea will but I, i'm not for sure i know, I know you're you're in the research you're in the numbers what, what's going on with uh, this it did it was top 10 got to number six in the uk and did extremely well uh in the us as well as over a lot across a lot of europe as well and fun fact well it's not a fun fact actually because it's quite somber but this was played at a Steve Jobs Memorial event uh, at Apple HQ in October 2011. I also will. I just love the title, Every Teardrop is a Waterfall. It's a real picturesque title, though, isn't it? Yes. And I haven't said this yet, but lyrically... Lyrically! I think that imagery is strong throughout this one. Uh, my particular favourite line on this, I'd rather be a comma than a full stop. Weirdly, it does remind me of that nighty-night Jill Tyrrell quote about 
a comma or an apostrophe, depending on which way up you are. But I don't think that was the intention. I'd rather be an exclamation mark. Mm, I think you're more of a colon. Uh, you're more of a question mark. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, it's, not, it's not a compliment. Oh, you must have said it wrong. This one also samples a track. It samples I Go to Rio, uh, initially, uh, originally performed by Alan and released in 1976. You may not know the song uh, off the top of your head, but you may have heard it in many films, including The Fabulous Baker Boys, Muriel's Wedding, or Strange Bedfellow. And, and you, you are have a strange... <laughs> <laughs> some strange bedfellow. Sometimes this podcast just records itself, doesn't it? Mm. Which oh, is great only. because we don't, yeah, can't be our chore actually. actually. Yeah. Also, uh, I feel like I'm repeating myself, Will, but it, it has to be said. Another one that, when played live, just absolutely goes off. Do you think at this point they were writing songs for the stadiums? Do you think that influenced the, their general sound a lot, or do you think it's just by chance that was who they were at this point? I think that's just who they are. At this, especially at this point, I think they just. You know, by this point, they know who they are. They know what they want to do, but also they know what just sounds absolutely banging, belted out to hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> Put my teeth back in. Uh, also, I think this is a huge lead single, big stadium gig uh, crowd pleaser. It was only fitting that two of the biggest DJs in the world remix this track. So Swedish House Math again, <laughs> the teeth. Swedish House Mafia and Avicii, gone but not forgotten. Mm, definitely. So it's track number eight now, Dan. Major minus. minus there and again this does feel a little bit rawer and I was just trying to re- think about who it reminds me of I mean I was thinking maybe it was a bit Bastille yeah actually yeah hadn't crossed my mind but definitely can hear that in there lots of woo woos and hoo hoos mm, not sure about the hoo hoos like a unisex toilet <laughs> And Major Minus, as we said before, is a character in this uh, in this show, in this story. Uh, it's a character based on various politicians. And I think this track has got a very sort of, again, Orwellian, but quite Big Brother uh, specifically theme to the track. Uh, opening with the lyrics, they got one eye watching you, one on what you do. So be careful who it is you're talking to. Quite creepy. But yeah, Dan, be careful who you talk to. And don't accept sweets from strangers. Oh, well, too late. And this, Will, was one of the earlier tracks uh, written for the album. So actually a good few years before Milo Zoletto came out. And I think you can really tell that, can't you? I imagine, or I'm, I'm led to believe that sort of Paradise and Princess of China were some of the later tracks. And there is a very different sound to this song. I always love it when someone says, I'm led to believe. It's like someone's leading up the garden path. Putting the wool over your me. eyes. They can lead me to water, but they can't make me drink. <laughs> no one has any problem in making you drink. Track number nine now, and this is a cover of the Sneaky Sound System hit. Oh, we've just spoken about them. Lovely. Well, it was a little while ago now. <laughs> Sorry, I've done it again. <laughs> it's UFO. <laughs> Ditty, isn't it? 
Very short, just over two minutes long. But interestingly, you do get to hear more of this track throughout the album because uh, the instrumental tracks are based on the chords from this one. Ah, oh, that's a nice, uh, nice way to sew things together, isn't it? Uh, and this is a slower track. And Daniel probably thinking, well, he probably would have chosen this one for his album artwork. Uh, but I no, love... no, not thinking that. Oh, no. don't assume. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the strings in this, and sometimes it's just the little things that please and delight, isn't it? And hopefully, well, I've got a, even more of a delight for you now, because the strings on this are from Davide Rossi, who also does live strings for Goldfrap, and has also done work with Rooksop. Oh, dance so royalty, look... yeah. Yeah, so it's not. It's lovely that you uh, really picked up on his some of his motifs, perhaps in there. Well done, me. Track number ten now, and this is a biggie. This is Princess of China with Rihanna. The Queen of Sheba there, featuring Rhiannon. Uh, the Princess of China, Will. Or Princess of China, for sure. Now, Dan, this isn't my favourite track on the album, but it was the most orally uh, interesting, I think. Because it's a completely different kettle of fish to what we've already had. Yeah, I think it's the most similar to Paradise, in the, with the synth work in this one and with the production. But... Yeah, like you say, it's completely something different for Coldplay. And of course, having Rihanna on the track is a big part of that, isn't it? What a coup for them. Brilliant addition. What a coup indeed. And of course, one of their poppiest moves as well. And genius move as well. I think the thing with Coldplay is when they first started, they were obviously very much an indie band, moved into a bit more of a stadium rock band. But I don't think they ever shied away from being uh, a pop band uh, and being fans of pop music uh so this was for for some of their hardcore fans i imagine this might have been a, a bitter pill to swallow well but that's a great name for a track in itself dan just put a pin in that mm, for, for our music project mm. um uh, quite a tin pop production but uh but hey we're talking about lots of tin pop productions not this week but other weeks on track by track and you've got so much going on in this track. There is a, another kind of electronic marching beat through this. Some fantastic synths. Bit of R&B on the go as well. You've got Rihanna in the mix. And it's just so dense. That's a good word. It's very dense. Yeah. Musically dense. And I actually think, and this might, this might get me in trouble, Will, but I actually think on this track and on Paradise... The synths are actually some of the best synth work we've ever talked about on Track by Track. <laughs> uh, Dan, I've got uh, Peter Hook on line one <laughs> and Neil Tennant on line two and one of the Taylors on line three. Not Swift. <laughs> there is uh, a sample in this one as well, Will, uh, of Tack by Sigur Ross. Now, Sigur Ross, I, I know some huge fans, uh, not uh, something that I've ever indulged myself in, uh, but maybe something for the future? I think, yeah, I think they could be. I've been looking, they're not a band that I play at home a lot, but I've been looking enough to see them live twice. Uh, once at Bestival, uh, which was kind of just getting into the evening, and they were very unhappy because they didn't get the lighting they wanted for their set, uh, and they were very vocal about that on their social media. Uh, but then I did see them headlining uh, a festival in uh, London. I can't remember which one it was now, but it, I can see why they're upset because their lighting show, much like Coldplay, their, their lighting show and the displays throughout their performances play a big part in what they do. Well, it's just that whole oral visual, not oral, uh, audio visual <laughs> experience, isn't it? It's just, just 
blows you away, doesn't it? This was the fourth single from My Zayoto, uh, and it, uh, unsurprisingly, with Rukhanan on board as well, it did extremely well. Number four in the UK, this got to. Uh, and it also was a smash hit in the US, as, you, as, as you'd expect from this super collaboration. Also, Dan, uh, Cat Crazy was back, uh, and the Invisible Men, who we know really well, when we can find them, uh, also remix this song. So that's, that's terrible. Just... <laughs> that's really bad, actually. <laughs> but you'll edit that out, I'm sure. Not at all. No, definitely keeping that in. <laughs> uh, yes, of course, featuring uh, Jason Pebworth, formerly of Orson. And Will, I've got a feeling we might be talking about one of the Invisible Men on tomorrow's episode. Track number 11 now, and this is Up in Flames. Up in Flames. I love the story behind this track, Dan. Do you know it? Uh, no, Will. This is when Pray you normally tell. go, for the purpose of this podcast, no. Uh, no, I was just trying to not make that too much of a catchphrase. But yeah, for the purpose of the podcast, Will, pray tell. Uh, I mean, this track was, they wanted a final track for the album and it all came together really quickly and they recorded some of it backstage at the Roundhouse uh, and they just like got it done super quick. But just... They really loved it and they really wanted to get it on this record. I Well, it comes as no surprise because, as we've said right from the start, I am a, I'm a really big Coldplay fan. They're certainly in my, in my top 10 bands. And I love this because, like Paradise, the chorus is pretty much just the repetition uh, of the title of the track. But this is almost the antithesis to Paradise because it's so stripped, it's so raw. And also you've got Chris's vocal sounding uh, very vulnerable. I love the fact that it is quite raw and it is just very, just the beat and just, it's really nice actually. And you know me, I'm not really a fan of something a bit slower. You're not, no, you're like a hard, fast one normally, but um, I'm glad you've enjoyed this Uh, because also this feels like, you know, it could almost be the album closer, I think, but actually we're moving into another little instrumental and then we've got a couple of pounders to close things. Uh, vegetable quarter pounders, obviously. Yeah, you'll have your meaty patties, but not for me. I'm I'm in Chris Martin's camp. <laughs> I'm not saying Chris Martin's camp, by the way. It's just quite effeminate. No, you're just sniffing around trying to get into his tent, <laughs> like a like a pig snuffling for truffles. Well, let's listen to that <laughs> instrumental now. <laughs> so you can hear it now. A hopeful transmission is playing out beneath us. And I would definitely say it's a bit of a palate cleanser before the last two tracks. And it does kind of get the get the mood just right before we go into track 13. Definitely. And as we've already said, by this point, they were a huge stadium-filling band. Uh, it feels like they're, obviously their set lists were perfectly designed to uh, have the ebbs and flows and ups and downs. Uh, and this would have been the moment, if this was a live set list, this would be the moment just getting people ready for the encore. Uh, here, of course, we're going into two... Rather large album closers. Uh, So let's get into the first one of those now. This is track 13 and Don't Let It Break Your Heart. So no petering out on the penultimate track then, Will. I love how pounding this chorus is. And I have to say, I did play it early and I played it loud, getting myself ready for this episode. And I actually got a complaint from the neighbour downstairs. Really? Apparently, it was booming so hard, it rattled her cuckoo clock off the wall uh, and it was a family heirloom. 
Is this true? Yep. And what happened to the poor cuckoo? Tried to get the RSPB round, but uh, they were having none of it. You're too busy dealing with all those real-life puppy farms. Well, the RSPB, the Royal Society for the uh, Protection of Birds, I <laughs> very much doubt it. Yes, the RSPCA are so overwhelmed <laughs> that they've had to get some help in from their sister company. Oh, that would be like us getting some help in from uh, Top of the Pops magazine. <laughs> Now, this is very reminiscent for me of you too. Yeah, I can definitely hear that. And I think it's probably not the first comparison the band have ever had to them, is it? No, no, Dan. <laughs> Apparently, for X and Y, uh, the third album, Bono told Coldplay they need to make themselves sound more like you too to get big, to get bigger, which I think is actually quite big headed. Yeah, that's a little bit. Uh... I thought you were going to say Bono sent them a cease and desist order. <laughs> Having said that, though, we've had some podcasters ask us for advice, and our advice has always been, don't even think about making it like track by track. <laughs> and we have issued a few cease and desist orders. Yeah, well, we just normally send around a uh, friend of ours who's uh, quite good with his hands. Mm. Very good with Whip his some... hands. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, Will, very upbeat this one, very uh, very euphoric. Uh, and I do believe that the band felt like, for the first time on an album, they were giving their fans a happy ending. <laughs> so we're on to the last track of the album proper. And I know you're not an early riser, Dan, but I am. Uh, so this is Up With The Birds. the last track on the album and i think although we haven't gone back up to don't let it break your heart levels of banging this is definitely a tale of two halves with this track and i think it's a lovely way to bring it down but not take it out yeah i wholeheartedly agree with you will it's not often i i don't think i've ever said i wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with you don't know where that yeah, came from bit, bit much bit much but i do agree with you uh what i like about this is though it, it feels like a closer uh, it is slower, but the synths are still very much there. And as we've said throughout, it's the synths that really make this uh, a new, newer sound for Coldplay. Do you think it's a good way to end the album? I do, yeah. Because I think um, I think it wouldn't be quite right if they ended on an, on an absolute banger. I think they need to turn down the tempo a little bit. Also, with this one, I like that it's actually a little bit more experimental, I think. Uh, it's a little bit more unorthodox. In the melody almost feels a bit Radiohead, I think. Yeah, it's a great album. It's a great album track. It's a great closer to the album. Although another one that was released for Record Store Day as a limited edition single. Uh, interestingly, in two albums' time, uh, on the Headful of Dreams album, uh, there's a track called "The Birds," which is one of the opening numbers for that one, and also opened the tour for that album. I do believe. I do believe. Uh, before we go into some further listening, let's just talk about the album reception and performance. So this was uh, very positively received and reviewed by critics. We've got a five out of five from Q. I don't think we've had one of those on Track by Track ever. Uh, in Rolling Stone gave it three and a half. Not quite as good. Uh, but the Daily Telegraph, four out of five. Uh, for some reason, NME had a real issue with it and gave it 5 out of 10. Well, look what happened to them. Uh, oh. Well, sorry. That's quite harsh. But yeah. it was very positively reviewed. Uh, and uh, unsurprisingly, in terms of how it performed, it was a number one album uh, in the UK, in the US, and across a lot of the world as well. Well done. Well done, them. So... We are going to have some further listening. And even though this is our first Coldplay episode, we are going to stick to this time with the band because who knows, Will, we may come back to do another Coldplay album one day. Who knows at this point? Uh, Will, I'd love for you to go first. 
So, Dan, I have gone uh, for a predictably enough for a massive banger. This is the Tiesto remix of Paradise. is definitely some Coldplay I can get on board with. Yeah, I love this one. And as we said, when we played Paradise earlier, this version of the song, they normally merge into the main version as well. This is when the lasers go off and the Zyloto bands go off and the fireworks are played live. You wouldn't expect Coldplay to be playing a remix live, would you? Or or maybe you would. But this is just such a phenomenal moment in the set. I think all bets are off when Coldplay are live. You know, they could do anything. Uh, and this is just the sort of stadium dance music that is something that they could completely take in. I mean, I have to say, the last album they released, they didn't tour, and which they said was for environmental reasons. Luckily for them, there's a worldwide pandemic, which you know would have probably got in the way of that tour, so uh, it all worked out quite well for them. Um, but there's a new album coming out later this year, and I'm hoping we get some sort of tour to go with it. Uh, worth noting, well, the new album... Music of the Spheres, uh, they've worked with Max Martin on this one. Oh, now maybe that will be the next one we talk about then because I love Max Martin and everything he's done and been involved with. Well, one of the albums of 2021 maybe, Will. Maybe. Maybe not. (laughs) Dan, what have you gone for? Well, I hinted at it earlier, Will. Uh, I have gone for the Jacques Leconte remix of Charlie Brown. Jacques Leconte, which who is, of course, Stuart Price remix of Charlie Brown. What I love about this one, Will, is that he has taken the song apart and put it back together and created this really progressive dance banger. I can imagine hearing this one out and absolutely losing everything, including my clothes. Will, what do you think of this one? Uh, I'm just trying to get that image out of my head. I think this is... What I love about Coldplay remixes is they always go, you know, they can go to the best, the the A grade producers and remixes. Uh, but and these remixes are always very respectful and loved keeping a lot of the lyrics in and a lot of the essence of the group in. And I think with Jacques Lacan and with Tiesto, it's definitely the case. And this is very enjoyable, very different approach to Tiesto. Mm. Um, but very enjoyable as well. And anything that puts more of a donk on Coldplay, I'm I'm totally behind. We're, We're out, out of time. time. So, Will, you got through it. A Coldplay episode of Track by Track. How do you feel? I I, uh, I feel exhausted emotionally and physically, but uh, we had a laugh, didn't we, actually? We had a real giggle, which uh, was a surprise. But listeners... Do let us know what you think to Coldplay, to Milo Zalotto, to this episode uh, on the Patreon post in the comments or on social media at Trap by Trap UK. Uh, yeah, why not make a big song and dance on social media to let everybody know about the exclusive episodes available on Patreon. And we've got another one. If you're listening in order at time of release, we've got another episode tomorrow with Girls Aloud, What Will the Neighbours Say, who I happen to know Coldplay were big fans of. Yeah, they did some big outdoor shows. A few, I think it was around the Viva La Vida time. And they had support from Jay-Z and Girls Aloud. I think it just shows, not to go, not to delve back into the episode where we're trying to wind things up now, but it just shows the kind of the breadth of their influences and their sounds. Uh, and of course, we are big fans of Girls Aloud. And Coldplay. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us and joining us on Patreon. We'll see you again for more Trap by Track very soon. But until next time, 
I've been Major Minus. And I've been the Queen of Sheba. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, is it Gwyneth's pal- uh, Gwyneth's Gwyneth. candle burning in the background? <laughs> Gwyneth's paltro. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a lovely paltrow. I thought it'd be a good time to leave me, actually, when I was recording, because then you wouldn't have to explain anything. Yep. Exactly. There'll just be a note. Bubbly's in the fridge. Oh, lovely. (laughs) 